Well, good evening. Good to see each one of you here for our evening service. Would you stand with me, please? Let's turn to page 110 together. Page number 110. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We'll sing it out on that first verse. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The glories of my God and King. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Jesus, the name that charms our fears. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Tis music in the sinner's ears. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He breaks the power of canceled sin. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The blood can make the foulest clean. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. What a blessing. Sure glad you're here uh, tonight. want to welcome you to our evening uh, services. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Ask God's blessing uh, on the uh, service tonight. Brother Tim Quinlan, would you open us in a word of prayer tonight? Yes, yes. Amen. Won't you be seated uh, tonight? Man, what a blessing this morning to be able to preach the gospel. Amen. And I enjoyed that. Sure thankful you're here uh, tonight. Do have uh, just a few announcements and things. I got stuff scattered all in my Bible. Amen. And uh, with things uh, that are coming up and and different things uh, like that. Uh, Of course, don't forget about uh, if you have kids in Faith Baptist School, uh, there's going to be some more games uh, tomorrow, kickball and softball. That's at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, then, of course, uh, this coming Wednesday night, Brother Tim Quinlan is going to be preaching in the main service here. And so I know he'll be a blessing. And, man, I've enjoyed his study through First uh, Peter and just want to encourage you to be in your place for that. And then, of course, men, don't forget about if you signed up for the men, uh, the Baptist Men's Recharge. Uh, that's this coming Friday and Saturday. We'll be meeting in the church parking lot at noon on Friday and heading down and should be getting back sometime around 3 or 4 o'clock uh, Saturday afternoon. And so if you haven't turned in your money, make sure that you do that. And uh, uh, looking forward to a good time in the Lord. And then this coming, this next Sunday, missionary Joel Scuffham and his family is going to be here uh, from uh, going to Cambodia. They're out of First, uh, First Baptist Church in Mission, Kansas. His dad is Pastor Larry Scuffham and a dear friend and, and, and a wonderful sister church up there in the Kansas City area. And so I had, a pri- I had the privilege to sit on his uh, ordination council and so looking forward to having him come and uh, his family being here with us and he's going to be presenting we're going to have a combined Sunday school class uh, both of our adult classes will stay in here as well as our teen class and he's going to be presenting in the Sunday school hour and then preaching next Sunday uh, night and then of course Sunday evening after the evening service there's a teen activity there's some more games September the 30th which is on a Friday and then, of course, we're getting ready for our fall revival in October, amen, and sure excited about that, and uh, having Brother uh, Ted Alexander uh, here with us, and of course, that's Sunday, October the 2nd, uh, all the way through uh, Friday, October the 7th, and so again, we'll just, we'll have our normal uh, morning services and things like that, and then in the evening service that night, we'll not have a, our Bible study time, we're just going to strictly focus on the revival meeting 
And so we'll just come in that Sunday night at 6.30 and then, and then services throughout the week, 7 o'clock Monday uh, through Friday. And don't forget about we are hosting the preachers meeting, the Midwest Baptist preachers meeting uh, that Monday night as well as that Tuesday morning. So they'll be in our service, our revival service that Sunday night. Uh, if you can help us out, we do have some dessert. Uh, we have a dessert sign-up sheet in the outer foyer uh, out there, and uh, we're going to have a dessert fellowship over in the E.J. Watson Gymnasium uh, that Monday night after the service. And then, of course, that Tuesday, we have some things scheduled for our preachers and, and uh, different preaching. It'll start, uh, we have coffee and donuts at, at 8 o'clock in the morning, and then at 9 o'clock, our services will start. We'll have three preachers and then a lunch uh, to follow But if you could help us out, we've got nursery and things like that, all that stuff out there, and we'd sure love for you to be a part of that. And man, and and if you can be here on Tuesday morning, I realize a lot of people work and things like that, but I'd encourage you to be here. It's a blessing to hear those men preach and just be an encouragement uh, to them, and and sure looking forward uh, to that. And we do have some flyers out there in the back uh, or out there in the outer foyer if you'd like to uh, maybe hand some out or pass some out to your friends or or, uh, neighbors or coworkers or something like that. Invite them uh, to the meeting. Also, one more thing, we do have our parking lot envelopes. We're uh, trying to raise some money for our new parking lot. Uh, Maybe over the next couple of years, trying to raise about $200,000 to be able to take care of new curbs as well as new asphalt. And so if you could help us out with that, we do have those available as well. Well, we do have some business I need to take care of uh, tonight. Uh, And I figured I'd go ahead and do that while you're already up here stuck listening to me. Amen. Uh, but uh, good to have Brother Jack and Miss Lizzie Parker. They made it back uh, tonight from a wedding that they were at in Oklahoma City. And uh, tomorrow uh, we're going to be heading out uh, and traveling to Indianapolis, Indiana to attend the GIBF meeting uh, there at Lighthouse Baptist Church. And uh, the GIBF just simply stands for Global Independent Baptist uh, Fellowship. And uh, what's going to happen is is that... Uh, we've been praying about this, and, and uh, I, think it'd be, I think it's a wise decision that they're going to use the GIBM, which is Global Independent Baptist Missions, as a clearinghouse uh, for their finances and things like that. And so that will certainly take a burden off of us as Faith Baptist Church, but it will also open a lot more doors for them than we could ever open with things like health insurance and life insurance and different things. Uh, like that. Uh, maybe some of you are familiar with the BBFI. Uh, this is kind of the, well, this is a better biblical version of that. It's really what the BBFI used to be and was intended to be to stay, but instead they have gone a different uh, direction, which is why we no longer financially support them. Uh, but the GIBM uh, is uh, doctrinally sound. In fact, they have had to fill out Quite a bit of paperwork, as well as I have, and to make sure that they are doctrinally sound. And of course, Brother Dick Webster is, uh, is oversees that, and he looked at me and said, "If they're out of your church, they're not going to have any problem." And I said, "You better believe that." So, anyways, they are uh, they are going to go and meet with the board the the, the board uh, tomorrow night, and so pray for us as we travel, and then Lord willing, uh, during the meeting there, I'll be able to present them. As GIBM uh, missionaries, their newest edition, this is going to offer a lot of exposure to them or for them to uh, other like, uh, you know, other like-minded, uh, like-faith Baptist preachers uh, that will be able to, you know, have them come in and support them financially and things uh, like that. And so this is uh, it's a real blessing. Of course, we're also going to make sure that they're here for the preachers meeting in October uh, as well to give them some more exposure I did just want to mention to our trip, or to our, uh, to our church tonight, sorry, I'm reading and talking at the same time, but we do have uh, a commencement service uh, planned for them on January the 15th, uh, uh, this uh, first part of this coming year, uh, 2023. Uh, to me, all right, and I'm just sharing my heart with you tonight, is that okay? Uh, I feel like a commencement service and an ordination service are two different things. All right, um, an ordination service, I'd like to do, I'd like to have an ordination service for Brother Jack uh, when he gets through with his deputation and when we get ready to officially send them to the country of Japan. But what I'd like to do before they go out of our church officially is to have what I would call a commencement service. And so we're going to do that on Sunday night, January uh, the 15th. And, uh, of course, this is, they're going to start on deputation at the first of the year. 
And uh, I told him that you've got, you, I'll let you go, be gone two Sundays every month for the first quarter, January through April. And then after that, um, you need to go and get out of here and go get some money. Bring it back. We need a parking lot. No, 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 don't do that. No, no uh, but I, that's what it's all about. And so be much in prayer uh, for them. They also went ahead, uh, uh, maybe some of you keep up with some of the, um, you know, foreign countries and things like that. I know many of them have been closed with COVID and, and stuff like that, but, uh, you know, they, uh, Japan is finally uh, beginning to open up and allow visitors and things like that. And so they did, they did go ahead and schedule their survey trip uh, for January as well. So right after their commencement service, we're actually not, we're not going to kick them out to go somewhere else. They're just going to go to Japan, amen, uh, and do their uh, survey trip. And so that's a real blessing as well. So I'm, I say all this tonight, number one, to pray for them. And uh, certainly they're on our prayer list, and we want to pray for them as they go out for deputation. But there's two things that we need to deal with tonight by way of a church and, uh, and vote on tonight. Number one is this, is that I feel like if they're going to be GIBM missionaries out of our church, then we should support the GIBM. All right. Now, I, I know, you know, some of you, real, some of you remember the old BBFI and how it changed direction and things like that. Well, the GIBM is solid biblically in their doctrine and things like that. Otherwise, I wouldn't be up here saying that we need to support them. Does everybody get that? And number two, if they do begin to slide that way, which, which those things tend to happen, when they do, we won't support them anymore. But I do feel like if they're doctrinally sound and they're helping our missionary out, we ought to help them out. All right? So I think we ought to take them on and support them just like we do any other missionary at $75 a month. And so if you're a member of Faith Baptist Church and you're willing to do that, would you lift up with your right hand and give out with a hearty amen? Amen. And there any opposed, uh, like sign. All right. So I'll let Brother Dick Webster know, and I'm sure he'll be glad about that. He enjoys money, all right? And, uh, but that'll be a blessing uh, to him. He's, he's a blessing and a character as well. He's from Texas, so pray for him. Uh, the second thing is this, is that these, the, the airplane tickets for the Parkers and their survey trip came up to a total for round trip, this covers both of them, of $4,234.34. And I'd like to see our church take care of that as well. And so if you're willing to do that, would you lift up with your right hand and give out with a hearty amen? Amen. amen. Any opposed, like sign. All right. So we'll make sure to take care of that and excited about that and, and, and probably need to make sure that we help them out with any other needs that they have. And, and I know there's going to be things down the road that we're going to have to deal with. But, you know, we want, to, we want to help this family. They're ours. Amen. And we want to do that. And, and I believe this. I believe how you handle things. It, how you handle the how you handle all of this is going to make, make a big difference in my, my prayer is is that the Lord would keep bringing us families we can do this with we can invest and we can train and we can send out and I believe this when you handle things in a righteous manner God blesses that and I certainly want to make sure that we handle those things right so appreciate your help in that all right brother come on in. let's turn to page number sixty five and I'll stand together please page number sixty five the love of God. We'll sing all three verses together this evening. Page 65. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son Reconciled and pardoned from his sin. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints' and angels' song. When years of time shall pass away and earthly thrones and kingdoms fall. Refuse to pray on rocks and hills and mountains call. God's love so sure shall still endure all measureless and strong. Redeeming grace to Adam's race, 
the saints and angels song. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure, the saints and angels song. Could we with thee the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above, would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure, the saints and angels' song. Aren't you thankful for God's love tonight? Amen. Praise the Lord. It's been a great day in his house. I'm going to ask Brother Ethan Whitney, would you pray for the offerings tonight, please? Amen. You may be seated. Let's stand one last time. Turn to page 656. I'm so thankful for all the things God's blessed me with, but I'm glad this is not my home here. Amen. This world is not my home. We're just a passing through. Let's sing verses 1, 3, and 4 together tonight. Page 656. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. I won't have long to stay. My work is nearly done. I'm happy now to say my race is almost run. So long my eyes have set on heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Just up in glory land, we'll live eternal 
great singing today. You may be seated. Just before Pastor comes to preach, we'll have a special from Miss Lizzie Parker. sure thankful for that. Well, let's all stand tonight in, in honor of God's Word, if you're able to stand. And, and again, just want to invite you to the book of Joshua. And of course, we've been preaching through the life of, of Joshua in our Sunday night uh, services and just kind of going verse uh, by verse. And uh, we finished up the life of Moses. Joshua was the assistant of Moses. And then, of course, uh, Moses uh, went home to be with the Lord, so to speak, as you put it that way. And uh, Joshua was commissioned to take charge and lead Israel into the promised land. And things were going pretty good till chapter 7. But Achan. Amen. So let's look at verse number 6 tonight. And that's where we're going to pick up. Verse number 6 tonight. The Bible says this. And Joshua <clears throat> rent his clothes. It means tears them apart. Tears them off. And fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide 
And the elders of Israel put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, now he's talking to God now. Notice he says, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we had been, would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side Jordan? O Lord, what shall I say? When Israel turneth their backs before their enemies, for the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it, and shall envire us round and, and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? I, I don't know if you can sense the bitterness in that tone. But notice it says in, in verse number 10, and the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up. Wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? I love the way he says that. Get up, you big crybaby. I mean, that's kind of the idea. Why are you on the ground crying? Look at verse number 11. Israel has sinned. And they have also, they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed thing and have also stolen and dissembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you any more, except ye destroy the accursed from among you. And we'll, we'll stop reading right there. There are always, and this, this is what I wrote in my notes, and so if you, if you enjoy taking notes, you can write these down here in just a moment. But there are always, at least there, there are always at least three things associated with sin. Disaster, despair, and destruction. And really tonight I'd say to you that we entered the despair phase. If you remember, chapter 6 ended with a great victory over the city of Jericho. Israel would take on the mighty city for their first battle in the promised land. And of course we know God brought down the walls like He said He would. But where chapter 6 ended on the mountaintop of victory, chapter 7 brings them into a valley of defeat. Verse 1 informs us, as we saw last week, that Achan had taken of the accursed thing. However, Joshua and the rest of Israel, they had no idea. And so after the battle of Jericho, Joshua sends 3,000 soldiers over to the small city of Ai to take care of business. It's just right nearby. But what happens is this ends in disaster because Israel flees from the few of their enemies and at least 36 men are killed in the battle. In our text tonight, the news now reaches Joshua and we go from disaster to one of despair. Amen. And that's his reaction. Joshua hits a very low point in what I would say is his ministry. However, we learn some great lessons tonight Amen. on what to do in times of despair. Here's, here's the thing tonight, because Joshua turns to God and Joshua get back up, gets back up and serves God. Amen. And what I'm saying to you tonight is this. That's what we need to do as well. Right. Father, thank you for tonight. Bless the preaching of thy word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated uh, tonight. I, I titled the message tonight, The Despair of Joshua. But really, I think it's this. What to do in times uh, of despair. As you and I get into this study tonight, I don't believe it will be a very long study. I do want to give you some things, though, that I jotted down about this. But one of the things that I want to give you is just really if you, you know, something that I like to do is just step back and see the bigger picture of things and, and, and see some observations. And I just want to give you a couple of quick observations just right off the bat about this scene tonight and, and Joshua's despair. Number one, I thought about this. Joshua shows us that no one's immune to despair. Webster's 1828 Dictionary defines despair as hopelessness, to be without hope. And though it, though it is different from discouragement, which is to be without courage, they are very similar in their emotions, if you will. And 
One of the ways in which they are similar is this, is that well, really no one's immune to it. Everyone, every one of us tonight are going to experience low points in life and in ministry. I'm just saying to you tonight that if Joshua, who was the leader of Israel, did, then no doubt you and I are as well. Joshua was the one who faced the Amalekites, if you remember, uh, without fear during the uh, leadership of Moses. If you remember, Moses had Aaron and Ur holding up his hands. And as he held up the staff, Joshua led the children of Israel to victory over Amalek. And, and it was Joshua and Caleb, if you remember, that, that had great faith in God when, when, when they were part of the, the band of twelve spies that went over and spied out the land of Canaan. And ten were bad and two were good. The two were Joshua and Caleb. Everybody else expressed great fear over the, the people of the land. But it was Joshua and Caleb who had great faith in God. And who said, hey, if God's on our side, we, we're not outnumbered. God can take care of those things. So it was Joshua that had great faith. It was Joshua who, who stepped in the place of Moses to lead Israel. And man, you want to talk about shoes to fill. And it was Joshua that came in. And didn't have any secure insecurity about things. Rather, he listened to what God said in chapter 1. About having a great courage and, and trusting in God. And that's exactly what Joshua did. He even saw God part the, the waters of the Jordan River. And bring down the, the walls of Jericho. But I want you to listen to this tonight. No amount of faith and valor made him immune from experiencing a spiritual low in his life. Did you catch that? Therefore, if Joshua experienced it, I'm just saying to you tonight that we too will as well. If men like David and Elijah and John the Baptist all had low points of despair or, or discouragement or whatever you want to call it, I'm just saying to you that we too will as well. But, but, but please get a hold of this tonight. This isn't just to state the truth that we are going to experience these things. It's also to say this. That when we do, we can take heart. Amen. Well, why? Well, because you're in pretty good company if you are. Amen. I mean, you're in there with men like Joshua and David and Elijah and John the Baptist. All right. Well, it's Sunday night. You probably didn't get a nap. But I'm just saying to you, that's pretty good, preacher. Amen. Here's the second thing. Despair isn't always the result of your own doing. Sometimes it's because of the actions of others. And again, though the scriptures inform us of what has taken place in the life of Achan in verse number 1, Joshua doesn't know this. And, and to him, the disaster of Ai was the result of his own failure in leadership. However, God is going to clear things up for him in our text, as if to say, Joshua, it's not you. It's, it's Achan. There, there is sin in the camp. But the point is to say this, that we too mo can most certainly experience despair. We, well, we certainly can experience it as the result of our own doing. I know that I've done that a time or two. Hopefully you're not looking around. Man, I've never done that. Well, just hang on because you will. But most likely we all could. And, and we could all testify tonight and say, man, I've experienced some low points because of my own doing. But I also want to say this. We can experience some low points in life because of the results and the actions of others. Man, man I'm, I'm telling you tonight, in, in ministry, in ministry, I can definitely relate to what Joshua is going through in his life. And I, I was just thinking about some of the low points in, in battles that I've, I've gone through in ministry. And probably one of the lowest of lows... Was, was when a young man came into our church when I was pastoring in Cassville. And his name was Ryan Boker. And he was a Georgia Bulldog. Man, I, 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 don't, I don't like them Georgia fans. I remember when he came in our church, though. And uh, he sat back there in the back and, and sat there with his grandma. And he squirmed and twitched and couldn't wait to get out of church. He felt so uncomfortable being in the house of God. And rightly so, because he wasn't right with God. And man, I, listen, when I gave the last amen and went back there, uh, like I always do, and was shaking hands, he came by, shook my hand, he was the first one out the door, shook my hand, and took off out the back door of the church, and, and I thought, yeah, he'll probably, you know, never be back. Well, then about, I guess it was probably about three, four, five months later, he came back in, 
and sat back there in the back uh, next to his grandma again, but this time he had his girlfriend with him and she was pregnant. And he stayed this time. He wasn't the first one out the door because he knew he wasn't right with God and he knew he needed some help. And so he comes by and he goes, Preacher, as you can see, I'm, I'm not making right decisions in life and I need some help. Is there any way you could you know, do something and, and help me? And I said, yeah, why don't we do a basic Bible through study? And so we started going through the study and, and I got into Lesson 4 of Basic Bible Truths. And if you know anything about Lesson 4, Lesson 4, 1, 2, and 3 build up man's need to be saved. And Lesson 4 is how to appropriate the gospel into your life. And I watched as this big old Georgia Bulldog redneck kid sat in my office and cried like a baby and called on the Lord and got saved. Amen. And it was such a blessing. And, of course, we went through the lessons and we talked about you know, baptism, and they needed to follow Christ in baptism, and they needed to be part of the church. But I also said this, I said, listen, you, you guys don't need to do that right now because, well, you know, uh, you're, you're shacked up together, and, and if we just, we baptize you, we'd, you'd be part of the church, we'd have to turn around and put you under church discipline. So you need to get your home in order and get things right, and then we'll, then we'll talk about baptism. So I remember that little girl, Blakely, was born, and she was a cutie pie, and I should have bought her a lot of Florida Gator stuff. I didn't, I didn't back then, though. I was nice back then. And, uh, man, she was a doll, though. I remember her being born, and, uh, and then I remember them starting to talk with me about they wanted to get married, and neither one of them had been married before, and I said, all right, I'll, I'll marry you. And so they got all their family up there, and... and uh, and uh, made, them, made them get out of the house and, and uh, separate for a little while. And, and uh, brought them. And then we came in on a Saturday. And I, I married them. And uh, we did, our vow, did their vows together in front of their family and friends. And I remember taking that precious little girl, head full of hair. Head full of hair. And I stuck it right up there in between them. And I said, this is what God does right here. He puts families together. And man, it was just such a great testimony and a blessing. And our church was just so excited for them. And uh, I, they said, okay, Prince, we're married now. And so we got all our family here. And we really want to be a testimony to them. Can you baptize us tomorrow? And I said, yeah, you're married now. Your home's in order. I can baptize you. And so uh, we baptized them on Sunday, man. It was just a glory, hallelujah, shouting hallelujah. And it was awesome. And everything, listen, everything was going good. Until all of a sudden money and things didn't become enough. And so Ryan took a job and started, uh, had him work out of town. And... Uh, not only did it take him out of church and take him away from, you know, take him away from the Lord and being faithful and serving, it also put him around some guys that were not, you know, very, uh, well, they were just pretty wicked men. And next thing you know, Ryan gets hooked on some prescription pills. And, and he ends up getting caught one time and we try to help him and stuff. And long story short, we tried to minister to him and, and started Hope, uh, Hope Addictions ministry with him and Boy, they, they got back in church for a little while, but then eventually it wasn't enough. And I, they went back, he went back on the road and got around the same guys and got away from God and got back into the pills and stuff. And really, a, a few months went by and we hadn't heard anything out of them. And I remember it was in a February and it, was, and it was cold. There was some snow coming in. And we were getting ready to go down to Branson for a couple of days for a couple's retreat. And I was sitting there that morning and I got a knock on the door. And I was like, who in the world is that at like 10 o'clock in the morning? And I opened the door, and it, was, and it was his father-in-law, and he was standing at the door, and tears were running down his face. He said, Preacher, we've been trying to get a hold of you all morning. He said, Becca, his wife, came out of the bedroom and found Ryan laying on the bathroom, door, bathroom floor, and he's dead. He overdosed on pills. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And I remember coming back that Sunday, and that Sunday afternoon, I preached Ryan Boker's funeral. He's 28 years old. Had a baby girl, only been married for maybe about a year or so. And I'm going to tell you something. That was, that was the most difficult funeral I have ever had to preach in my life. I'll never forget his daughter Blakely was in his wife's arm. And she's, I guess, about two years old then, by then at the time. And she was, she was look, leaning over the casket in her mom's arms and kept saying, Daddy, wake up. And to listen to that mama cry, that, that little girl cry, and her, his mama cry, and his dad weep. And I can remember, I can remember looking at one of my, one of my men in the church at the time, brother, brother Anthony Littleton, and I said, and he's just, and he's just tore up. 
And I handed him the keys to my office and I said, go in my office, brother. I said, because if you start, it's going to spread like wildfire and everybody's going to be tore up. And he went in my office and he just broke down and wept. And he came back out and handed me my keys. And I said, you stay here. And I went to my office and I did the same thing. And I just wept. I want you to listen to me. I'm, I'm telling you, I, listen, I, I, I have, I, you, 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 you know, once again, the lie of Satan is exposed here, isn't it? That your sin doesn't just affect you. It, listen, your, your sin affects others. I, I'm going to tell you something tonight. I have seen pastors and Sunday school teachers and deacons in the church in despair over the sin and wickedness of other people. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about in churches in general and, and in this church as well. I, I've seen parents in despair because of the decisions and the behavior of their own children. I've seen Christians in despair because of the sinful behavior of friends or or families, or, or co-workers. What, what I'm trying to say to you tonight is this, is that we're not immune to what Joshua is going through right here. Right. None of us are. We're, we're not immune to it. And, and, and what Joshua is experiencing, we too can experience. And sometimes it is the result of our own doing. But, but sometimes it can be the result of, of others. And, 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 and so we need to understand that tonight. But what we can also learn from Joshua is what to do in these times of despair. And that's what I want us, what else I want us uh, to see tonight. Look, look with me, if you would, at verse number at verse number six. It says, And Joshua rent his clothes and, and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide. He and the elders of Israel and, and put dust upon their heads. Now, really, what I would say to you is this. is This, this is the counter, if you will, to despair. This is the answer to it. This is, this is how we should respond to despair. Well, well, how is that, preacher? Well, here's how. Turn to God. I said, turn to God in our despair. Where there is hopelessness, God gives hope. And there, listen, there are a couple of reasons why I say this tonight. Because you're probably sitting back going, well, listen, that's a no-brainer, preacher. Well, but you've got to understand, we have a tendency to lean upon man for everything. We have a tendency, to, and, and listen, whether, and, and even including our, our low points in life, our discouragement, in our despair, in all of that stuff, whether it be we lean upon our own selves or we lean upon others. However, you need to know tonight, there are some things that God can give you that man cannot. Amen. And hope is one of them. And I, listen, I, I'm not saying, well, preacher, shoot. Then we shouldn't encourage one, help one another. No, I'm not saying that at all. No, 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 no. We should do those things. In fact, we're commanded to do those things and encourage one another, edify one another, and build one another up. Absolutely. But what I'm saying to you is this, is that man cannot be the main source. God's got to be the main source. Is everybody catching that? God's got to be the main source. I, listen, there, there are times, I, I'm just telling you tonight as pastor, and I, as the pastor of this church, I... I, I know, you know, a lot of things that people are battling with, but I also am, I'm also not ignorant of the truth that, listen, I, there are some times where I don't know what people are, are going through in their personal lives. And, and there are times where I'm going things through things you don't know about in my personal life. But what I'm saying to you is this, and the point of bringing that up is to say this, that if you're leaning on the pastor and you're banking on me to call you and encourage you and, Help you in your times of despair. I may not know when you're in despair. And I certainly may not know the answer to your despair. But I do know this. I know the one who does. And that's God, friend. And I'm just saying to you tonight. You have access to God. Just like I have access to God. You don't have to come talk to a knothead in a knothole. Amen. And you can go directly to God. And you can pray and talk to the Heavenly Father. And and, and I'm just encouraging you tonight to lean upon Him and bank upon Him. Don't trust in yourself. Don't look to others in your times of despair. Look to God, friend. Look to God and pray. But here's the other thing that I thought about. God does have a 100% success rate of getting people through despair. I mean, He really does. You Listen, you think about you know studying things like discouragement and despair and 
And you look at Joshua here, or David, when he had to encourage himself in the Lord, or Elijah under the juniper tree, or John the Baptist in prison. Listen to this. God never failed any one of those men. I said, God never failed any one of those men. He gave them exactly what they needed, just like He'll give us exactly what we need. But here's the thing. We've got to go to Him like Joshua does here. And it says here that Joshua, he rent his clothes. And all that is, is that's a physical manifestation of what was going on in Joshua's heart. It was a symbolism, if you will, of brokenness in despair as, as, as he goes to God in prayer. And there's something else to note here. Notice in verse 6 it says, And he rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face. Now notice this. Before the ark of the Lord until even time. Now I don't, I don't know. It doesn't say what time. You know that he got the news and, and went to God in prayer right here. I'd venture to say it was... You know, probably sometime around the, you know, after afternoon, early afternoon, something like that. He got the news and he begins to go and pray. But the bottom line is this, is that you need to note it wasn't some flippant pray. It was, it was very purposeful and brokenness and mourning before God. He fell before the ark of God and is already seen in the life of Joshua that symbolizes the presence and the power of God. And so therefore, couldn't we say tonight that Joshua was praying and and seeking to get into the presence of God. And he wasn't willing to leave until he got an answer. He was staying there until even time. I'm just saying to you, that's that's the type of prayer life that you and I need to exercise when we're in despair. Listen, rather than a short five minutes, why don't you go ahead and determine a sweet hour of prayer? Getting into God's presence. Well, you know, it's been five minutes and He hasn't answered me. Well, this ain't Burger King Christianity. You're away right away. If you know anything about Burger King, they usually mess up your order anyways. (laughs) I'm saying to you, friend, listen, this is Joshua spending some time before God determining to seek the face of God and to not leave until He hears an answer. And that's the way you and I got to be in our times of despair to spend some time with Him. And I know tonight, I know all preacher, I knew you were going to get to prayer. And we know the answer that, yeah, well, we know the answer. How come we just don't do it when we get into despair? Look at me tonight. I know you know the answer. The problem is we just don't do it. Vance Habner, I love Vance Habner quotes. Old Baptist preacher, he said this. He told a story about an elderly lady who was greatly disturbed by her many troubles, both real and imaginary. drama. Finally, someone in her family tactfully told her, Grandma, we've done all we can do for you. You'll just have to trust God for the rest. And an absolute look of despair spread over her face as she replied, Oh dear, has it come to that? (laughs) And Habner commented and said this, It always comes to that. So why don't we begin with that? You want to get help with your despair, it's always going to come to spending time with God in prayer and seeking His face. Why don't you just start with it? Instead of making it a last resort and trying to call this person and that person and getting help here or trying to do it here, why don't you just get on your face in your prayer closet and seek God's presence and don't leave till you get help. Preacher, you don't understand my schedule. No, you don't understand the danger of despair. In fact, look at what happens. Look at the next thing because... There, there is some confusion in despair. In verses 7 through 9, look, look at what happens. It says this. It says, And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou, hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the land of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we, would have, we, would have, we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turned their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us around and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? Now, let me just say some things to you tonight to try to help you with this. Sometimes we learn what to do from examples in the Scriptures like to pray in times of despair. But sometimes we also learn what not to do. 
Such is what Joshua prays in these verses. Now before you and I start, you know, putting our high and mighty spiritual pious piety on and begin to criticize Joshua like the commentators really enjoy to do. Let's remember a couple of things here. Number one, God doesn't ignore him. Nor judge him for the things that he says right here. In fact, God is very long-suffering to Joshua in this scene. He does rebuke him and he corrects him. But again, it's not in judgment. And then two, if we were honest with ourselves. That's a big key right there. Those of us who've experienced despair before have probably been and even prayed something along the same lines Joshua is doing right here. That's right. Well, I can be quiet in here, but you and I know I'm telling the truth tonight. Probably even had some of the same tone. Because here's why. The reason is despair. It often leaves you and I spiritually confused about things. Look, look at what Joshua does here. Look at, look at what happens here. Look at verse number 7 again. It says this, And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us unto the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we'd have been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. You know what he's doing? He's blaming God. That's what he's doing. I mean, listen, I, I don't know about you, but this is what I thought about. I mean, this is, this is our main man, Joshua. The conqueror of Canaan. And it's almost, listen, it's almost a shock to see it come out of his mouth. Where do you think he got it from? Where do you think he got it from? Did I get this? Remember Israel in the wilderness? It was always God's fault. Joshua was there. And now in a low point in leadership, Joshua finds himself shifting the blame to God just like the Israelites were doing in the previous generation. Anybody catching that? He's like the golfer who misses the ball three times and then says, boy, this course sure is tough. (laughs) Ain't got nothing to do with the course. It's got everything to do with your golf game. Joshua, listen to this, and then I, I'm just telling you, just I want you to chew on this tonight. You know what, Joshua? Joshua never asks what we did. He never asks, Lord, what did we do? He immediately assumes it's God, therefore he is the one at fault. Like the days of Moses, it has become very popular to blame God in our day and time. Hello? And the Christian in despair can be easily confused into thinking the same things as Joshua was doing. But the better question is this. The better question for you and me to ask God in times of despair is not what He did, but what we did. Please please listen to this tonight. Not every low point in your life is a Job moment. Chew on that one for a little while. Job, Job is one that feared God and eschewed evil. And the things that took place in his life was not a result of sin, but God testing his faith. But you need to understand something. You and me, we ain't Job. I know that's not good English, but that'll preach. We're not. And so therefore, everything that takes place in our life it's not a, well, you know, I'm just like Job. Not really. Not really. And much of the time, we're not righteous and we're not eschewing evil. And so therefore, our low points are often the direct result of our own evil or the sin of others around us, just like Joshua. And I, I know this isn't very deep, but you've got to understand this. God doesn't bless sin. I know, man, that was a wow. 
I mean, but he does explain it in verses 11 and 12 of our text. Look at what he says. He says to Joshua, Israel has sinned. And they've also transgressed my covenant which I commanded with him. For they have even taken of the accursed thing and have also stolen and dissembled also. And they have put it in even among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies. But turned their backs before their enemies. Because they were accursed. Listen to what he says. Neither will I be with you anymore. Except you destroy the accursed from among you. You know what he's saying? I'm not going to be with you and bless you. When there's evil in your life. That's what he said. But see, you got to listen. You got to understand this. Yeah, God is for us tonight. Come on, He loves His people. Somebody say Amen. Come on, He loves His children. No doubt about it. He wants us to have victory in our life. Wants us to be saved tonight. Wants us to walk with Him. But when there is sin, listen. Listen. You cannot expect the fruit to be to be victory. It doesn't work like that. If you sow, if you sow. You understand, if you if you plant strawberries, you can't sit back and wait for peanuts to come up. They're not going to. Strawberries are going to come up. And if you sow to sin, well, the Bible says this, you reap corruption, not the blessings of God on your life. And what I'm saying to you, and I, and I, I know that we know these things tonight, but I'm just telling you, it drives me crazy in our day and time. To watch the carnal and the backslidden end up in despair because of their own evil and then blame God. Get on social media, talk about how God's just ruined their life and, and done this and done that in their life. Well, maybe, maybe it's not God, maybe it's you. And maybe instead of asking, what did you do? Maybe you ought to stop and humble yourself and go, Lord, what did I do? See, the reason why we do that is because of confusion. It's confusion. It's not what he did. It's what you're doing right now. He's simply trying to get your attention and bring you back to spiritual, spiritual victory. But you're so confused in your despair that you're blaming God. And the answer is not to blame God. The answer is to humble yourself and get right with God. Maybe now notice something else that he does. Look at verses 8 and 9. He says, Oh Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us round and, and cut off our name from, all, from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? Well, he'll probably do like Mo- he said he would do with Moses and just start all over. It's what he said to Moses. I'm tired of these wicked people. I'm going to kill all of them. Start with you. Here's the greater thought. What Joshua does, listen to this, is that he immediately concludes that all other future battles are going to end in defeat as well. Folks, that, that is despair at its fullest. There's no hope. All is lost. There's no way out. I mean, we lost to Ai, the smallest of the cities in the land of Canaan. We lost to Ai. If we lost to them, we're going to lose to everybody else until we die off. God, nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I think I'll just eat worms. You know what the great danger of despair is? It's how dark it makes the valley that you're in. In fact, some never come out of the valley of despair because they can't see the light at the end or the next mountaintop victory right around the corner. And I'm telling you tonight, I've seen people quit the things of God altogether. I've even seen it get to the point of suicide. As the result of despair. It's exactly what Elijah wanted up under the juniper tree, was it not? God, kill me. Take me out of this world. For I'm not as good as my father's. But that's all the result of despair's confusion. 
It causes us to see things as they're really not. Did you know this? AI will be the only defeat in Joshua's career. It will be the only loss of life that's recorded in a battle throughout the scriptures in Joshua's time as leader of Israel. Do you know that? It's the only time. Joshua and Israel will go on to great victory and inherit the promised land. But the point is this, is that you may be in a valley of despair right now, but listen to me tonight. Don't fall for the confusion. Is everybody catching that? Don't fall for the confusion. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Somebody say amen tonight. And there is another mountaintop to experience at the end of the valley. And there can be victory down the road. But here's the thing. So long as you don't quit and give up on God. And so what's the answer then, preacher? Well, that's the correction that God begins to give in verses 10, 11, and 12. And I I realize we've already looked at 11 and 12. But notice what God says in verse number 10. And the Lord said unto Joshua... Get thee up. Get up. Wherefore liest thou thus upon the face of the earth? Listen, God corrects Joshua on the reason as to why Ai ended in disaster. It wasn't God. And and listen, and I would say Joshua was probably relieved to know it wasn't him. It wasn't his failure in leadership. It was because there was sin. In the camp. But but and, and also to, I want you to catch this one despite Joshua's despair, God knew where he was at. Let me say that again. Despite Joshua's despair, God knew where he was at. He was very gracious and long suffering to Joshua, as as you and I will also find him to be towards us. And again, this is why we need to look to God in our despair. But the other thing to notice is what I pointed out. That God tells Joshua immediately in verse 10, get thee up. It's not to say Joshua was wrong to fall prostrate before the ark of God. It's to say that Joshua, don't stay there. Don't stay down in despair, Joshua. Get thee up. Get thee up, Joshua. Don't stay down. Don't stay down, Joshua. Get up. There are things that need to be dealt with. To get out of the defeat that you're currently in and to go on to victory. Don't stay there. It's what I wrote in my notes tonight. You can take it for what you will. But the character of man is not revealed on the mountaintops of Jericho. The character of a man is revealed in the valleys that come like Ai. What are you going to do in your despair? Are you going to stay down and defeated and confused and blaming God and getting bitter? Are you going to let it make you better and get thee up and trust God and go on serving Him? Listen, say what you want to about Joshua praying in verses 7 through 9, and that's fine, but I'm going to tell you something, friend. Joshua doesn't stay there. He doesn't stay there. I'll tell you, listen, he's going to get up and he's going to get back at it. He's going to confront sin head on and he's going to deal with it. And in the next chapter, they're going to make what I would call an AI sandwich. And they're going to destroy the city. It's going to be great. And Joshua's going to be back on the mountaintop again. Can I ask you something tonight? How are you dealing with your despair? Because you and I aren't immune to it tonight. There's going to be low points in life. And you can sit back and be confused by it and in the darkness of it and blame God and get depressed and discouraged and bitter and angry. Or you can go to God and you can get right with God and you can say, Lord, not what you did, but what did I do? What happened here? And know that God can get you out of that. There's light at the end of the tunnel and there's a mountaintop around the corner. And get thee up and go on and serve God. Let's all stand tonight.